Welcome to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. We help CEOs stop leaving money on the table while sustaining profitability to fund managed growth. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is basically CEOs helping other CEOs with tips, tools, and techniques to implement company projects or other work activities on time, on target, and on budget. Let's spend the next 30 minutes together with my guest CEO and maybe learn some different tools to put into your CEO toolbox. Welcome listeners to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is a podcast by CEOs for CEOs seeking execution excellence as they pursue sustained growth. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. All of my CEO guests successfully operate companies with annual revenues in excess of one, I mean, $3 million, excuse me. Today, my guest is Richard Blank. Richard is the CEO of Costa Rica's call center. So he's joining us from down in the, in the southern part of the hemisphere. Um, Richard, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Wayne, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for inviting me here today and to be with the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. It's, I loved the episodes and the guests that you had share a certain insight, whereas we mentioned prior to the call, there's no shortcuts. Right, right. A lot of it are the steps that you have to take and be committed to in order to get to where you want to be. And I can't wait to discuss some of those with you today. And we will. And I, I know we're, 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 we're going to keep a good time frame today. We want to respect your time. We want to respect our audience's time. So why don't I just go ahead and get right to it. And, and how I try to get started is, it, yeah, I know we talked a little bit before the call. You're, I call it your starter story. Sure. You, you moved down to Costa Rica over 20 years ago, and then you basically you worked for a friend and you started a call center. Tell me, tell me about that, getting that thing, getting it started, why you decided to make this thing happen. Well, before you make such a huge leap, you need to be prepared for it, like a boxer before the heavyweight fight. It goes almost as far back to my Northeast Philadelphia upbringing at Abington High School. A lot of my friends were choosing Ivy League and certain careers in medicine and law. I chose to double down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. And so I went to the University of Arizona and was a Spanish communication major. Okay. And like yourself, my friend Wayne, you're an excellent public speaker, and we study rhetoric to make sure that our delivery is clear and concise. And my special sauce was microexpression reading. I enjoyed studying body language and seeing if there's positive reinforcements. So the jobs that I had in college was an internship with Telemundo. Postgrad was with an importer of Corona. So I always had fun, but it was always with sales, promotions, and public relations. Now at 27, at 27. I was given a one in a million opportunity. And I know that leaving a country is a big step, but that I also realized if you don't take certain risks, you'll never know what the rewards were. And, and as I mentioned before, my friend, I was bilingual and was ready for that challenge. So I'm at the center and I'm with the people. I'm hundreds 
of Costa Rican Ticos that are bilingual and amazing on the phone with their converting calls and conversing and getting positive escalations that maybe it will make sense Wayne, to you and your audience and as a CEO, you, you kind of shed some skin. And I realized that it was a rebirth and this was in my late twenties. Okay. But I'm also gonna mention something, working at my friend's center for four years, it was almost my graduate school. I learned from the inside out how to run a center from retention, customer support, HR, onboarding, the Shabbat. But here's the big thing, and, and I'm willing to admit this. It took me into my mid thirties to have my impulse control <laughs> in a certain <laughs> stage where I could be mature enough I understand. to be responsible for contracts and payrolls and job stability. So I know you're expecting a out of the gate teenager or genius 20s, but I was still on my vision quest. I was trying to find myself. Okay. And so in my mid 30s, I realized that, A, I was capable of earning more money because the call center industry, the, the margins are incredible. But it's also a, a difficult industry. And the secret to my success, and I can pinpoint it one simple way, is gamification. I start with a happy medium. Prior to a single training class, every agent's gonna play some pinball with me before they start their class with recess. <laughs> so they're all <laughs> relaxing and having fun and knowing each other. And the scientists say that play is the best way people can relate. So they walk in Monday morning, not at 7 a.m., at 7.30, because they just went to play. Okay. And now they're ready to take notes and have class and, and enjoy themselves. So that's the secret from promotion from within and working with your people and giving them their dignity. Let, let me ask you a question about that, you know, because that, that's, that is a different approach, gamification. How did you come up with that? Was that something from a study standpoint? What gave you the guts to try to implement it? I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Do you remember the show Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder? I wanted his arcade. We okay. grew up playing Pac-Man and Asteroids. And so <laughs> now that I'm a business owner and still feel like a kid, I'm allowed to spend my money the way I want to. And behind me is a 1961 Ricola Regis and a full candy machine. And so I, see them. I have the space. And in Costa Rica, there's a lot of people that have these treasures that are in the bodegas. Okay. So I call my buddy up with a truck. We drive a couple hours. And the next thing you know, I'm bringing back a Ricola for just a couple hundred dollars. That's wow. the most beautiful machine and in okay. wonderful conditions. But why do I do this? You asked Wayne, yes. because most environments, people will be on their phone at lunch, having a cigarette, not talking to anybody. It allows me a certain neutral safe space environment where other departments get a chance to know one another. How about letting off some steam? How about recharging batteries? Or how about this? Instead of you coming in my office, Wayne, and me grilling you about a phone call, uh -huh. why can't we go downstairs? and play some pinball. And while you're playing, I can grill you about your pinball game, <laughs> you know? And, and we can divert that sort of energy into something else to where instead of being intimidated and fearful, I you can know, create a sort of relationship. I hear what you're saying. And as you said that, that makes so much sense to me. In other words, if you're, you're picking the environment. You can have mm -hmm. that barrier of the desk in front of you, or you can have a neutral environment of a game room, playing games, you let, I won't say people let their guard down, but they're more natural. Is that, is that a fair statement? Not only that, but think about this. They keep saying they played pinball, but they did it virtually on the internet. Now you and I both know there's a lot of things that are much better live than on the internet. Yes, and, yes. And one of them is Elton John's pinball. 
because okay. when you feel a machine, you and I grew up during this and it was expensive. I couldn't afford pinball back in the day. No. No. But if the games are free and they can go there, we're channeling that sort of energy. So there is hand-eye coordination and that also works with my telemarketers on the phone because I could potentially readjust their balance through this medium. Wow. And it's genius because I've told you that people not only make friends their way, but I've seen people fall in love in front of the Pac-Man machine and then get married. So um, as I say before, when you see the Willy Wonka chocolate factory where everyone gets to go drink the chocolate out of the river and eat anything you want, uh -huh. when people walk in my environment, they go upstairs or downstairs, they have to pass through this area. Okay. And it reminds them that their boss loves them. Okay. And it also reminds my clients how well I treat the agents that we hire for them. And it reminds them as well that they should have games in their office because nobody <laughs> has games in their office. But this boss does. And Wayne, my friend, we, we compete against Amazon and everybody knows when every, everyone competes against Amazon. Right. And, and they say, Richard, what are you going to do to compete against their 10,000 agents? And I said, Wayne, it's pretty easy. I've played pinball with each one of mine and Jeff Bezos is not with his. <laughs> so I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to something you said earlier. Um, you started the, the process when you're 27 years old and you really got the, the hang of being a CEO more in your mid thirties. So right. that let's just say those eight, nine years, that time frame within there, there are some hurdles you crossed, there are some obstacles you ran into that you had to pass, you had to you had to overcome, you had to grow. Talk, help, help my audience understand what, what made you grow, how, how you identified the need to grow and the need to grow and what you did to grow personally. It's a wonderful question, Wayne. Thank you. May I answer it emotionally and financially? Sure. No, Let's talk numbers first. Okay. When I worked at the center, I was able to put money away. Why did I put the money away? Just in case something happened, I'd have enough money to live a couple of years okay. before going back to the States. But little did I know that money that I had allowed me not to have to work for a period of time so I could create a website, I could market myself. But what about the call center? Well, why don't I first start off by renting a seat, like a glorified blended center where it's almost like an internet cafe. So I could rent a seat for a couple hundred dollars a month. But then when you're at a couple dozen agents, it doesn't make much sense. So why don't you rent space and buy the equipment? And of course, there's places you could get it used very well, these computers for half price and chairs and stuff. You, certain people don't need to buy brand new furniture or electronics. If you're okay with that and it's clean and it hasn't been ruined, why don't you save some money? That's number okay. two. Okay. And number three, when I was renting this space, I was able to save enough money to then build my own space. My way was a little bit slower, like the tortoise compared to the hare. And people okay. keep saying, why didn't you take a loan out? Why didn't you grow quicker? Well, prior to this podcast, when we spoke about how we were raised Great. and I was raised by grandparents that went through you know, the depression and my parents that were very conservative. We did okay. well, but my parents were very conservative. Okay. And grandma used to tell me, if I can't pay for it in cash, you don't buy it. So regardless of what decade I am in, grandma still tells me not to do it. I understand. And the fact that I kept doubling, tripling down on myself, maybe it's a wonderful momentum and snowball effect. Maybe it does make sense because I, the bank can't take it away. I'm not paying double for it. There was never that sort of mental, I can't sleep at night risk because I lose an account. 
But to circle back on the psychological side, that's the price you pay when you take that force march. So expect it. It's going to rain on you. It's not going to be the most comfortable. But, but you know, step up to it. Exactly. But psychological, I was ready for it. I knew that I had to look at myself in the mirror and know at least I tried. Wayne, if it happened one day, one month, or one year, the, the moment that it was working was great. February 6th of 2008, I closed my first client. It was one seat for 50 hours. Wow. Today, I don't know if it would qualify and I would accept it. It depends, you know, case by case basis. But uh -huh. when I created that something from nothing, then I got those sort of chills where you knew you did the right thing. Wow. And I, as John Wayne said, I was going to die with my boots on. <laughs> I was going to make sure this thing was going to work. I was going to go Rocky and go 15 rounds. I'm from Philadelphia. Not saying that is what gives me my pride, but I was raised well, to not quit. <laughs> you're dealing with an industry where you're dealing with people, your call center operators, and they have their issues away from work also. And sometimes they bring their issues to work. How did you get people, how did you get your team to work? I don't know if it's a game you did. How did you get them to work together and function in a good function for one culture? It's quite easy. It's a lot of the times the campaigns that come into the center. Wayne, we're in a very strict Catholic country and there's a lot of options out there. So I refuse more than I accept. It's not that I can't fulfill my client's needs. Of course I can. The question is, would the agent decide ethically and morally to come to work and to make these calls? So what happens outside of their office? Yes, when they're here, they can recharge their batteries, feel good about themselves and give themselves stable employment. So when they go home, they can conquer the challenges they have. But the one thing they're not going to do here is they're going to compromise any sort of ethics that they have on the phone. So they don't need to earn a dollar that way. Okay. So at least I can eliminate one of those sort of uh, stress factors that my employees may have. Okay. Well, and as we as we get ready to wind down, and, and I, I I I could talk to you forever because I'm enjoying what you're saying, and I I enjoying the philosophy that you bring to this discussion. I'm having the best time, Wayne. I wish we could go another hour. <laughs> I know you got things to do, and I have things to do. But yes, sir. Richard, what makes you a good CEO? Two things: that okay. fortune favors the brave that at least they know that I have vigor, that I have grit, that I'm gonna back up what I say. But the second thing is empathy. I'm a North American guest in this country, a CEO of a company. I almost have multiple strikes against me. Okay. They sometimes are judging me what happened at their last job with their last supervisor or coworker, as I'm not judging them on what happened with the last guy that just couldn't step up to the plate. There's an expression, barar y cuenta nueva, starting from scratch. And as I say before, if my first impression with my agents is standing next to them and playing some pinball or getting to know their names when they're smiling and laughing, I think I set a pace. And I could always buy more equipment and have different real estate and do all the bells and whistles. And there are companies that are 10 times my size, but my core foundation of how I treat myself, how I treat your audience and you. Of course, we both dressed for one another. Right. And just giving people dignity, Wayne, so they don't feel like a robot or a number. That is why I've lasted 14 years because if nobody comes back, 
I'm by myself at Chuck E. Cheese and I'm alone on a birthday party. <laughs> so this positive reinforcement of low attrition and the people that have been with me over a decade, my hat's off and I can't thank them enough. Well, perfect. You know, I want, I want to ask uh, one last question, at least give you one last opportunity to, to share with my audience. What tips, tools, or techniques, or parting thought would you like to share with your fellow CEOs that might help them or brighten their day based on your background? What I love are positive escalations because CEOs are C-levels calling into certain offices. If you have a chance to speak to a gatekeeper or an assistant, take the extra time not only to ask their name, but ask how their company is doing that day because that person's involved as well. And when you get transferred to the decision maker that you have this relationship, why don't you let them know that they have some rock stars working at their company? Do it verbally. When you send an email, do it written as well. We call those positive escalations. And so when you happen to call back that company, besides having that established relationship or budding relationship, the individual answering that call will then once again circle back and let you know how appreciative that they are and tell you more about the company culture or just spend an extra minute just to chat up with you because most people bypass. No, Wayne, you and I stop for a second as gentlemen and we ask somebody's name because people are not nameless. And that's the advice I could give to CEOs. They'll pass your call, but why don't we give a gift of letting the other CEOs know that they have amazing people working with them. I love your philosophy and I, I really appreciate it. And I, I hate to cut it off here, but I know we both have some things to do, but uh, people can get a hold of you. Uh, give us a quick way of how people can get a hold of you. Absolutely. First, buy a first class ticket and fly down here. <laughs> you come visit me. That sounds good. Go ahead. I know, I know. There's always an open invitation. But if somebody wants to just run by a strip by me, 888 271 6750, you could shoot me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And, and finally, we have a very large Facebook fan page. So you can kind of get a pulse on the Costa Rica call center industry and also see the fun stuff that goes on after work as well. Well, thank you very much, Richard. Let me just get ready to sign off here because Richard and I would really love to thank our audience of CEOs for sticking around for today's CEO to CEO conversation. If you have any questions, we really appreciate leaving a comment in, the, in a, a review of, of, our, of our podcast today. But I look forward to future CEOs coming on our show, The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy, where I will feature another successful seven-figure CEO sharing their secrets for executing success, executing strategy, excuse me. Have a good day, audience, and we'll talk to you next time. Wayne Washington here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. If you are a successful CEO of a seven-figure project-based client delivery environment, and would like to be a guest CEO on the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast, please visit www.ceosecrets-execution.com and apply. If today you learn a tip or a technique to apply from my guest CEO, other CEOs would appreciate you're sharing this episode on social media. To do that, just take a quick screenshot with your phone, then text it to another CEO or post that screenshot 
on social media. If you know of other CEOs who would be a great guest, text them and let them know about the CEO secrets for executing strategy podcasts. The CEO you are thinking about would appreciate you including a link to the scheduling website. That's www.ceosecrets-execution.com. We are regularly putting out new episodes. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe today. Remember, your thumbs up rating or a five-star review goes a long way to help promote the show and would mean an awful lot to me and my team. Do you want to know more about my company, Grow Company Profits? Go to our website at www.growcompanyprofits.com. You can also follow me, Wayne Washington, on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to having you back for our next episode.